When I was 13 years old, my mother and I stepped into St. George's Episcopal Church to worship with that community for the first time. This humble church sat unassuming on the corner of an impoverished neighborhood in our suburban city in California. Now maybe it was because that church was so small and any new face was a cause for celebration, or maybe the community was living into its Christian call to radical hospitality. Whatever the reason, we were warmly welcomed and quickly folded into the life of the church. We began regular attendance at the early morning Holy Eucharist, where a dozen people would gather and pray together in joyful solemnity. In less than a year, I found myself as a young high school student centrally situated in the service. When there are only a handful of folks and many tasks to be done, those willing to help will often find themselves with endless opportunities to serve. As a recent convert to the Episcopal tradition, curious and willing, I agreed to participate in the altar party. It was a common occurrence that my tasks on Sunday morning included all of the following. Carrying the cross, reading the lessons, bidding the prayers of the people, setting the altar, pointing the altar book, and administering the cup. The priest served in the priestly roles, I served in the lay roles, and the few who were gathered as a congregation participated. Before embedding myself at St. George's, I had been raised up in the Methodist tradition. At first Methodist, I had the honor of being an acolyte. Once a month, I would don robes to carry a torch, lighting and later snuffing the candles on the altar. Between our acolytes' duties of ensuring the flame was either burning or extinguished, we would take leave of church in order to attend Sunday school, where my formation as a Christian began. Now, though there are many similarities between the Methodist and the Episcopal traditions, there, were, there was enough different that at the time of my conversion, the learning curve was steep. My new role in the service was much more frequent and complex. Over several months, the vicar tutored me in liturgical practices, and I was licensed as a lay Eucharist minister in the, in the Diocese of California. I learned the way things are done in the Episcopal Church and how St. George's practiced the Episcopal way in their particular context. What was then new to me in adolescence has become a central part of my identity. Being an Episcopalian, doing things the way we do things, through our liturgy, rubrics, and polity, these things are important to me. My religious beliefs, both theological and practical, have been formed and informed by my devotion to and immersion in the Episcopal Church and the way that we do things. My faith has also been formed by all the people, Episcopalians, who mentored me and those through my participation who I was able to serve. It is a rare occurrence, usually a wedding or a funeral, that I worship in any other denomination. And honestly, when I do, 
I slip into silent criticism of the way worship is happening because it does not connect me with God in the same way I feel connected to God sitting in the pews of an Episcopal church. I inhabit a belief that the Episcopal way is the way church ought to be done. That the way we do things as Episcopalians is the best way because it is what I know and what speaks to my heart. It is how I feel connected to God. There is a risk here and the danger is I am taking what I know, my own perspectives and assumptions, and universalizing our way as the way, or even more dangerously, as God's way. This is what we encounter today in the gospel. The Pharisees, the religious leaders of their time, are well studied and practiced in the way to worship and remain in right relationship with God. For the Pharisees, the way that they know is the way. At that time, it was customary to wash before eating to ensure that one was not defiled in the process. And though these practices of washing before we eat are still held in esteem today, they hold much less religious connotation. That the way of washing had been passed down through tradition with predecessors carefully coaching rookies in the way to worship God. For the Pharisees, it is imperative to practice faith in this specific way. In my sanctified imagination, the Pharisees are aghast and accusatory when they ask, why do your disciples not live according to the traditions of the elders? Jesus disrupts this understanding, illustrating that adhering strictly to the way does not make a person more holy in God's eyes. He says to the Pharisees, you abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. He chastises them saying, this people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrine. The Pharisees are so consumed with what has been constructed through human tradition that they are so focused on their judgment of Jesus' disciples defiling themselves that they fail to live into God's commandment to love their neighbor. In this story, the Pharisees value tradition over relationship. Jesus calls us through this text to orient our own priorities to value relationship over tradition. He invites us to be honest with ourselves about where we are holding to human tradition and where we are being obedient to the commandment of God. A few chapters after today's lesson in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus teaches us the greatest commandment. The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Here Jesus doesn't spend a whole lot of time talking about 
hand-washing procedure. Instead, he makes clear that God cares a whole lot more how we care for each other than whether or not we are following the rules of our institutions. Our epistle and gospel this morning are in direct conversation with each other. It is as if the author of the letter is speaking directly to the Pharisees in the gospel. It is clear that the early Christian recipients of the letter were struggling in the same way as the Pharisees. How does one honor God with their lips and their hearts? What does a religion that honors both tradition and relationship look like? The epistle writer makes their meaning clear, saying religion that is pure and undefiled before God is this, to care for the orphans and the widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. In other words, God is more concerned with our relationship with the rest of humanity than whether or not we are following all the rules. Loving our neighbor is how we truly honor our religious tradition. God delights in us when we put people over policy. Looking back, my formative church's invitation to take part in worship was more about being in relationship with and serving the community than whether or not every step of the liturgy was executed correctly. Though the formality of the liturgy instills and continues to instill a sense of sacredness, the true holiness was in being one in Christ with a gathered body. Jesus invites us to examine whether the traditions of the elders as expressed through the law lives into our call as children of God. It extends far beyond our religious practices into our personal and civic lives. Through this invitation, Jesus calls us to consider the way we choose things and how they are rooted in the heart of God. We can take the question of whether our hearts are with God into every choice that we make. We can think about the way our spiritual practices, the way we plan our lives, the way we parent, spend our money, vote, choose our employment, and even how we communicate with each other. We can choose to love God and our neighbors and to let that inform what traditions we place value in. Those who follow God's commandment, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. So put relationship over tradition and be blessed. Do what is right and good and be blessed. Be a hearer and a doer and be blessed. Amen.